Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a new edition of the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy. On this week's show, we hear from Cork Camogie players Rachel Harty and Lucy Allen following the Rebels National League Division 2B win over Galway. We'll also hear from Cork Senior Manager Matthew Toomey and Minor Manager Jerry Wallace. Cork LGFA senior footballer Kiro O'Sullivan reflects on the Rebels National League win over Kerry. Cork senior manager Shane Ronane previews this weekend's clash with Mead. And we have all the latest from the Cork LGFA Under-21 Club Championships. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to review the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Monster Women's Rugby chairperson Wendy Keenan has all the latest provincial news, including a huge all-earning quarter-final win for Skibbereen. Munster Women's Hockey's Graham Catchpole has all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, including St. Patrick's Day Cup Finals. And the Big Red Bench AFLW expert Mike Curran is back to update us on a hectic sign-in trade week in Australia involving a host of Irish players. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach to the stars, Mike Curran, is back on the Big Red Bench to give us his expert opinion on all the latest on and off-field AFLW news. Mike has over 20 years' experience of the AFLW, playing, coaching and managing, and remains an integral link between future Irish AFLW stars and a first contact for all those Irish women currently under AFLW contracts in Australia. Now then, uh, the AFLW new season is months away, but the news and the excitement and the signing period and everything that's been going on during a massive week for sign and trade in the AFLW has created headlines on both sides of the planet. No better man then to find out how, why and where and what the hell is going to happen next than our resident AFLW expert and coach to a lot of the players who will be starting their new careers and continuing their careers in Australia for the new season. Mike Curran rejoins us here on the Big Red Bench. Mike, you're very welcome back. How are you? I'm very good, Jerry. I'm not sure what day it is at the moment, but we, we'll get through it. It's a bit of a hectic week. I'm almost afraid to turn on social media now with you in the AFLW account or AFLW underscore Ireland account because there's a headline every five seconds. But let's get to the big headline from the massive week of sign and trade that we've just spoken about. Jennifer Dunn is going to the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, look, at sign and trade. It's been a massive week. This was the first Irish new signing to break at the start of the sign and trade week. And what a, what a big one it was. As you say, Jennifer Dunn, Dublin Ladies Football star, three All-Ireland winner, only 23 years old. She is going to Brisbane Lions, one of the top clubs in the competition. And fantastic news to Jennifer. I was delighted to be working with her and be involved in this one. She's going to be a star over there. Huge for the Lions. Um a big loss for Dublin but the good news for the Dublin fans is don't panic just yet Jenny's hanging around until after the LGFA Championships so she's not heading to Brisbane until sometime in August or whenever Dublin's involvement finishes but they will be very much looking forward to seeing her arriving down in Queensland that's for sure yeah, fantastic signing for Jennifer and for Brisbane and of course Orla Dwyer already there that's a very strong team that just got a hell of a lot stronger Mike it is. Look, at it. they had an announcement during the week, uh, two separate announcements, actually. They did one block of 19 re-signings of their original players and another block there recently of seven. So they've retained about, I think, 26 of their squad of 30. We obviously talked last week about a couple of high-profile signings that went to Hawthorne, but they are significantly improved already now with the addition of Jennifer Dunn and retaining so many of those grand final players. So the lines are definitely going to be roaring again in 23. Well put. Speaking of 2023 and a team that we're going to have a very particular, a particularly Irish interest in are the Sydney Swans because they've made three signings. 
they have Jared look there's always been huge Irish connections to Sydney but none more so than now Sydney Swans this will be their second season they had no Irish players last year in their inaugural season they now have three uh, after announcing three players together earlier this week and we never had a Jennifer before until we mentioned Jennifer Dunn we now also have Jennifer Higgins going out to Sydney Swans um, a legend of Roscommon football played over 130 games for the Roscommon ladies down through the years hugely experienced strong physical player um, brilliant to see her heading to Sydney Swans and going with her then we have two of the younger stars of ladies football both from Kerry both part of the Kerry team Paris McCarthy who's an all-rounder this girl is brilliant uh, she's currently on a scholarship in the USA Division 1 basketball top level basketball she had like 10 offers to go over there last season before she picked her uni she's doing brilliantly obviously broke onto the Kerry senior team last year and featured in the All-Ireland and also then Julie O'Sullivan another young Kerry star only 20 years old uh, plays in defence for Kerry uh, has only been on the Kerry team a year or two but will join Paris and Jennifer at Sydney and I suppose in terms of those two players, it's a sign of intent from Sydney Swans. They're a team and a club that are building and they're going for young talent and they're looking to the future. So we'll expect to see these Irish players at Sydney for many years to come, hopefully, and, and wish them every success. Again, delighted to be working with these girls, all brilliant players. So we've got a blend of the experience and leadership of Jennifer Higgins and the raw young talent of Paris McCarthy and uh, Julia Sullivan going to Sydney, who have also made some very high-profile uh, signings dur- during trade as well. We touched on Chloe Malloy last week coming from Collingwood, a huge star. They've added another name, a couple of names since. So we will expect Sydney Swans to be far more competitive this year and, and that's what they wanted. Last year was a tough season for them. They didn't really have much time to prepare for given the change of dates, but they're going to be ready for season 2023. Indeed they are. Excellent stuff and for the Irish living in Sydney, another reason to go and get behind this franchise now with Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy and Julia Sullivan signing up for the coming season. Dania Finn and Eron Fitzpatrick made headlines as well during the week, uh, Mike, and they looked uh, they are now signed for Carlton. Yeah, so another multiple signing. Uh, we had we had three with the Swans girls. We have two with the Carlton's. So two Irish girls about to become Blues players. Uh, Dana Finn, obviously, a uh, Mayo Gaelic footballer, but more recently uh, um, an Irish international basketballer. So brilliant basketball player. She's uh, currently playing with the Irish national team. She plays with Trinity in the, the Super League. Uh, has played up to recently with, with Mayo Gaelic fo- football before she uh, moved to Dublin for the basketball um, again, brilliant, versatile footballer. All of these athletes are super versatile, amazingly talented across multiple sports. Uh, so exciting to see her heading to Carlton and to be joined by Iran Fitzpatrick. So this girl is electric. Um, if you were watching Leash across the last couple of seasons and, and more, particularly their All-Ireland final intermediate win in Crow Park last August, um, this girl is super fast. She's electric on the field. Brilliant forward. She scored four points in the All-Ireland final. There's multiple highlight goals. She doesn't do much that isn't the highlight. Great character, great personality as well. So she's going to bring a bit of a zip and speed to, to the Carlton forward line for sure. Uh, and again, fantastic to see um, two players heading off together. So um, we haven't had any Irish at Carlton for a while. Now we're going to have two players there in season 2023. So lots to look forward to there. Excellent stuff indeed. As we said, uh, Daniel Finn and Eron Fitzpatrick signing during the sign and trade agreement for Carlton. Three Irish players going to the Sydney Swans, Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy and Julia Sullivan. And on the cherry on top of all of that, the big, big signing of Jennifer Dunn to the Brisbane Lions means it's going to be even more interesting once the season kicks off. We also, over the past seven days, have had our first Irish trade of the season, Mike. Yeah, first Irish trade of the season. This was part of 
what's known as a, a mega trade. I don't even try to get into explaining this one. Like I, I go on as if I know about, a bit about AFLW, but some of these trade deals that have been done, I don't know how the list managers do it. Clara Fitz was traded as part of what they have dubbed a mega trade that involved seven players, five clubs, and five draft picks. I don't know how they figured it out, but they got it figured out. And Clara Fitz is on the way to the Gold Coast, an absolutely beautiful part of Australia, obviously, um, from St Kilda, a brilliant tall defender, uh, and she has been for St Kilda for many seasons, despite uh, missing a couple of seasons in between over the COVID. So yeah, she's going to be the first Irish player uh, AFLW ever at Gold Coast Suns. When you, when you talk to me this time next week, we might have news of another Irish player mm. at Gold Coast Suns, but for the time being, Clara is the first, and yeah, she it was the first and only player to be traded so far to move from one club to another so exciting to see how she gets on up at the other corner of Australia Yeah, good honour and uh, all the best with that move to the Gold Coast Suns, good setup as you said and uh, interesting to see the first Irish trade um, of the new season t- going uh, going ahead. Now we also in the past week have had a number of re-signings Orlo Dwyer, Sarah Rowe, Ashton Sheridan, Sinead Goldrick and Blaheen Mackin. No surprises here Mike? No, no surprises at all of course um, so what we've seen now is some of the clubs coming out with block um, reveals of the players that have re-signed. So um, again, we mentioned it earlier there when we talked about Jennifer Dunn that the Lions had retained 26. Um, Orlo Dwyer was, was one of those players. Absolutely, she's not going anywhere. I'm looking forward to seeing her up at the Lions again. Uh, then if you go to the Collingwood Magpies, two separate announcements there. Ashling Sheridan has got a new two-year contract, so she's going to be there for season 2023 and 2024 as it stands. And Sarah Rowe, interestingly, who there's a lot of conversation about at the minute as she's back here playing soccer for Bohemians in an effort to hopefully get picked up for the, the women's national team for the World Cup. People were wondering where her future lies. She's after getting a contract extension at Collingwood for two seasons as well. So she's going to play there in 2023 and 2024. And we assume that that happens this year whenever her involvement in the soccer season ends. So yeah, the two Irish magpies are back. Um, we mentioned that Melbourne were uh, were escaping through the sign and trade period and the, pri- the priority signing periods without losing any players. They announced of the 21 players in the AFLW grand final winning squad last year, they announced a block re-signing of 20. So be warned and be afraid for everybody else. And of course, that that in, included our Irish pair of Sinead Goldrick and Blahin Macken. And we still have a few clubs to come out and confirm uh, their re-signings, but we would expect uh, a lot more of the Irish players to be confirmed across the, last, or across the next couple of days as well. But yeah, no surprises and fantastic to see the girls um, coming back uh, for at least 2023 and in some cases 2024. Excellent, excellent. And uh, yes, yeah, Sarah Rose making a lot of headlines in this part of the world, right? Signing for Bowes, as you said, in the Women's National League with, a, with an eye potentially on forcing her way into Vera Paws Irish International setup. We'll be keeping an eye on that as well over the, as the weeks go on. But good to see those uh, Irish players re-signed. Now, one delisting and one potential retirement on the way as well this week. Well, this is this is uh, obviously the delisting is uh, for Megan Ryan from Essen. That was just announced this morning. So disappointing for Megan. Obviously, she just had the one season at Essen and didn't get a huge opportunity. She did come into the squad as emergency illness cover literally a week before the season started. You might remember I was talking about that last season. Mm. Uh, she came in as a rock cover. She, I think, only got an opportunity to play one game during the season. So um, still a, a little surprising to to see her delisted and a bit disappointing. Uh, she did relocate from Adelaide to Melbourne for the season. So you never know what we're going to touch on in a minute. There's another period coming up now where some of these delisted players may get picked up as well. So fingers crossed that she might get an opportunity. She's a, a great uh, a great player and a great person as well. And 
we're waiting, everybody is waiting um, patiently to see what the update is on none other than Cora Staunton. I mm. suppose the, the news is we're probably going to hear something in the next couple of days. Nothing is anyway concerned uh, uh, or confirmed at all, but it's definitely a case of will she, won't she? And I'm just of the feeling that on the way that she finished last season, you know, getting to her, her 50th game in the last game of the season, getting over 50 goals and putting her in the top two or three goal scorers of all time in AFLW, that it might be the time that Cora decides that that's it for her. But I wouldn't rule it out. Let's wait and see what happens over the next couple of days uh, and until we get some confirmation from GWS Giants on that. Yeah, let's keep an eye on that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, my fingers crossed that we haven't seen the last of Cora, but if she did decide to step away, what a career it's been. Finally, we've had this sign-in trade. It's a huge week, Mike, as you've just outlined brilliantly, the, the trades, the re-signings, the new signings. But what is next and what can we expect over the next seven days? Okay, so immediately now, signing trade is closed and we're now into the next stage of the signing period, which is known as the delisted free agency period. So basically, this is an opportunity for some of those girls that have been delisted, such as Megan Ryan, as we just mentioned there, but also obviously many other players delisted from many clubs, for those to be picked straight back up again within the next three or four days. So that's called delisted free agency period. Then there's also a few more days running till the 28th of March where rookies can still be picked up. So most of the Irish players, um, and certainly the Irish players coming from Ireland, all fall into that rookie category automatically. So there's still a chance, and things are happening so fast and so quickly here, that there's still a chance that we'll see another Irish player picked up as a rookie before the 28th. And then from the 28th, there's, we won't call it a breathing space, but a a few days of, of break until the draft on the 4th of April. And that then, is the, the final opportunity for squads to supplement our squad. It's called a supplementary draft. So anybody that has any spots left will fill them on Tuesday, the 4th of April. For the first time ever, you don't have to have mandatory spots available for the draft. So some clubs will have spots, some clubs won't. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see in what position the clubs go into the draft. But again, we will then have a huge number of Irish players in the draft, players that I'm working with from here in Ireland and also all of the players we, we mentioned that have gone over to play VFLW across the last few weeks as well. So um, we're not done yet. The numbers is going up, 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 and we're not done yet. So there's still plenty to happen uh, across the next week to 10 days or so. As ever, uh, an exciting time for yourself, Mike, and uh, for all the players that you're involved with, even though the season is still so far away, there's so much happening and so much to be decided over this week and next. Um, you can follow all Mike's uh, happenings on AFLW underscore Ireland on uh, cross social media and on Instagram and on Twitter as well uh, over the coming seven days. But thank you for outlining a huge amount of information there that's happened over the past week. And we look forward to talking to you again this time next week for even more uh, headlines and more news of Irish players taking up AFLW. Certainly, Jerry. There will definitely be more news within uh, within the coming weeks, so we look forward to coming back on as always and chat through those with you. Thanks so much. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, schools, interpros and international news. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Well, St. Patrick's Day uh, is been is been and gone, but what a day it was for Munster women's hockey because we had one, two, three, four, five, six finals uh, on the day itself, followed immediately after by a huge women's Munster Division One match the following day as well. And that's all ahead, of course, of ne- this coming weekend's Monster fixture list and some huge games, title-defining games as well. There's so much happening in Munster women's hockey right now, so much positivity surrounding it. Only one man to talk. 
and that's the PRO Graham Catchpole who joins us here on the Big Red Bench. Graham, how are you? Good, Jared. Thanks for having me again. Excellent stuff. Only one place to start. Let's start with St. Patrick's Day. What a fantastic day, first of all, it was in Gary Duff. And I know this. No, I wasn't there myself, of course. But uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Clonakilty hockey in a minute because that's where I'm from. But everybody was just delighted with how well the day went. And I know you would be delighted to hear that. I mean, there's so much going on, so many different clubs from all over Munster involved as well. Before we talk about the specifics of who won and who didn't, um, a big day that went off very well for you. Yeah, absolutely brilliant day in 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 Gary Duff, and um, I suppose first things first, really, just to say a huge thank you to to all the volunteers that 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 made it such a success on on, on the day. Um, we had a, a total of fifteen hundred people in in, in attendance uh, supporting teams throughout the day, which is a fantastic uh, n- number for 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 the finals. Um, and yeah, as you said, there um, plenty of excitement on the day, plenty of close results on the day, and um, some really exciting hockey. There was indeed, and only one place to start, and that is the the headline act, which was the Women's Senior Cup Final between two teams who know each other well, who were battling it out at the top of the Women's Munster Division 1 all year, Harlequins in UCC, and as expected, Graham, it was an incredibly tight final. A very, very cagey final, Ger. Um, plenty of chances on both sides, particularly um, during during normal play. I suppose Harlequins really um, created the best chances with plenty of um, short corner opportunities, but um, UCC stood strong and, and, and looked dangerous on on the break um, against them. Um, the game ended uh, nil all, and of course, uh, the inevitable shootout um, followed. Um, and um, yeah, very, very exciting shootout. Um, UCC coming out 3-1 winners um, on, on the shootout and maybe a little revenge for, for last year's um, last year's final where, where Harlequins came out on top um, against UCC in a, in a shootout. So a very, very exciting day um, for, 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 the, for the students, I suppose, and nice for them to get, get one over Harlequins, I suppose, um, uh, given the, the way the season is panning out at the moment. Yes, congratulations to UCC 2023. Munster Women's Hockey Senior Cup winners as you said winning on a 3-1 shootout but Graham the following afternoon the same two sides met again in the Munster Women's Munster Division 1 where going into the game um, there was only a point between the sides but on this occasion uh, it was Harlequins who came out on top yeah, again, a, a very good game. Actually, pro- probably a, a better game of hockey um, in in the Mardike the following day. Um, a, a real end-to-end um, fixture, you know, um, with a very, very high tempo. Um, Harlequins really came out of the the, the, the blocks quickly and, and and kind of asserted their their um, their authority, I suppose, in the game early. Um, the, the first goal coming in the, in the second quarter from from Judy McCarthy was a, a well-worked um, short corner uh, routine. Um, and and then Harlequins really dominating possession for for large periods before they got their second goal through uh, Rachel O'Shea, um, and, and and towards the end uh, in the last quarter UCC did throw the kitchen sink at it, but just couldn't get past um, past the Harlequins goalkeeper um, who who had a good game uh, I suppose between the posts. Um, so Harlequins, um, as you said, you know uh, now four points clear at the top of uh, Munster Division One. Um, they they need just one more victory, I suppose, to, to secure the title at this point, and you you would probably expect them to to get it. Um, UCC um, still standing in second place there. Now have um, two interesting games upcoming. To to, to hold on to, to second 
second place so they have to play um, Ashton and uh, C of I who are in third who could potentially catch them you know if, if results went their their way so UCC I suppose would be almost looking over their shoulders now but but um, Harlequins fully expect Harlequins to to get the points that they, they need um, in, in the coming weeks as they play Blackrock and Belvedere um, so just one victory needed to, to take the Munster Division 1 title Yes and as we said congratulations to UCC on winning the, the one senior your cup. Let's uh, let's not say congratulations just yet to Harlequins because, as you say, you have to play these games and win them, albeit against Blackrock and Belvedere, who've been struggling at the wrong end of the table this year. But uh, a fantastic result, considering they had lost the cup final the day before, to come back and win that game and put themselves in pole position to possibly win women's monster division one, but not done quite yet. So we won't just say too much. But well done on a, on a big win over the cup winners from the day before. We return to St Patrick's Day now. Uh, Graham, because the women's senior plate final was equally tight. Yeah, and another super game actually, Ger, between uh, between Ashton and Blackrock, and they've played out some some very interesting and very close ties this season already. Um, Ashton edging this one uh, one nil against uh, Blackrock. Kiro Tool with uh, with the, the the short corner goal in 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 the first quarter, um, and 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 really, I suppose uh, Blackrock really did put it up to to Ashton for for the remainder of that game. It was to and fro for a while, and Blackrock had a couple of good chances. Um, with Dini Calnon in, in goal and Ashton keeping them in it on, on, on occasion um, and really I suppose it's, it's a credit to both sides that it was such a high quality um, and, you know high paced final um, certainly both teams there seemed to be well organised well coached and um, you know it, it made for a really good spectacle of a final Yeah and well done uh, commiserations to Black Rapp, but well done to Ashton a fantastic result as you said there Kiro Tool with the winning goal in that senior plate final it takes some silverware um, at the end of what's been a very productive season for them now we move into the under 18 and the under 16 finals there was a lot of finals on the other day I have a particular interest in one of those finals my daughter Keelan McCarthy was involved with Clonakilty in the under 18 final um, against Limerick and a, a fantastic result for the West Cork Club yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clonakilty coming out three one one winners over over Limerick in the in the under eighteen final. Um, again, a, a super game played on the the the, the bottom pitch down in Gary Duff. Um, didn't see the whole fixture myself because I was going between the two pitches, uh, but could definitely hear the the screams and the roars as, as the goals went in. Um, and certainly when the final whistle went, you could you could definitely hear the noise from the from the pitch below. Um, so yeah, great win for for Clonakilty, and I'm sure fierce excitement in your house, Jer. Oh yeah. Well, well, fierce excitement in uh, not just for the under 18s we're going to talk about it now as well, but the under 16s as well and a huge step forward for Clonakilty Hockey don't want to kind of harp on about it now because this isn't the Clonakilty Hockey podcast but winning two cup finals on the same day under 16 and under 18 Graham is for a West Cork club huge 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 boost for the club and something that will keep them going now over the coming years yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant to see it, and you know the the I suppose the the perceived I suppose maybe smaller clubs or clubs that aren't as well I suppose established and, and have a, a long history are, are really starting to show um you know show that they can compete at the top table and and certainly Clonakilty um had a super super win in the under sixteen Division two final as well um I was watching the the sh- they went to a shootout it was one all after full time I was watching the shootout from the from the bar. 
and it was uh, nip and tuck as regards who was going to win it. Um, a couple of, uh, couple of, um, I suppose, brilliant saves from keepers and, and bad misses from strikers, but Clan Kilty coming out 2-1 winners um, in that shootout um, and a very exciting one. And yeah, you could definitely hear the screams from the bar as well when, when that final goal went in. Indeed you could. So congratulations to Clan Kilty on the under-18 Cup final and the under-16 Division 2 Cup final. And commiserations to Harlequins B and to Limerick as well because they contributed to two very, very entertaining finals. But they weren't the only finals that were completed on the day, Graham. Yeah, the, the the first game of the day was the under sixteen uh, division one final between Harlequins and and Church of Ireland. Um, actually, probably a, probably a very close game um, up to up to the last quarter. So it was one one all going into the final quarter, um, and Harlequins uh, then edging ahead and and CI I suppose tried to go for it then and and Harlequins uh, knocked in two more goals so Harlequins ending up 4-1 winners over CI in the in the Divi- under 16 division 1 cup final in the division 3 cup final a very close affair between um, Clonmel and Ashton B um, Clonmel edging it um, towards the end of the game uh, 1-0 um, so so well done and great you know great to see a club like uh, Clonmel as well uh, you know take home a, a, a trophy on the day. Uh, commiserations to Ashton B who were very very competitive right up to the end of that game as well Yes well I can, t- I can tell you from a clinic guilty point of view the excitement since uh, and the excitement with those girls bringing the trophies back into their respective schools just shows you how strong hockey is going so well done to everybody that competed on St. Patrick's Day in all of those finals not just the winners but also the runners up um, made for a very very entertaining and happy day for most of the teams involved now we need to look ahead because there's some big big fixtures coming up in the coming week as we record this in Munster Division 1 next Tuesday evening Black Rock take on Ashton and that's a big game for Ashton yeah, so a, a repeat of the the plate final, um, I suppose for, for, from the other day, and again, Blackrock would be looking to push Ashton all the way here and 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 see if they can get a, a an upset, I suppose, or a result. Um, for for Ashton, I suppose they are chasing kind of a, a you know top three place still, um, still outside chance of of that top three place, um, but but certainly they'll be looking to to get the, get the victory to to leapfrog Bandon into into fourth place in the table, and then maybe look to 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 cause an upset and, and maybe overtakes the eye for third but um, yeah it's going to be a very cagey a very tight affair again um, and again I think both both clubs will, will, will be going at it from the from the first whistle Indeed they will Next Saturday EY1 Catholic Institute take on Pegasus and this is an important game for Catholic Institute Graham because they currently lie joint top of the table with UCD and Loretto but they have an extra game played they can't afford any slip-ups here yeah, it, it, this it's kind of make a break, you know, this time of the season anyway for, for for clubs. But certainly, institute after maybe a small bit of a, a, a wobble the, the weekend before, um, you know, coming away with a draw and a loss uh, on, on on the road, uh, they'll be looking to get back to winning ways at, at home to to Pegasus. Pegasus sitting, uh, you know, in fifth place in the table will be will be a, a tough prospect for institute. But I've I've um, I, I, I've full faith that that institute will bounce back and that um, they, they will be pushing all the ways to the end to, to try and land that EY1 title um, they go from that game on the Saturday and they, they have a, an Irish Senior Cup um, semi-final on the Sunday also um, so again at home um, against Dublin side Railway Union um, so Railway going quite well in the in the, in the EY League and, and recently um, beat Institute um, in, you know in, in, in a fixture t- uh, two weeks ago so, so Institute will be 
out for for revenge in that one to to hopefully get to a final of the the, the Irish Senior Cup, which would be brilliant. Um, if they get to the final, they'll be facing either Avoca or or, or Monkstown, Monkstown, who also play um, on Sunday. Excellent. Best of luck to Kath against you. Now, as you said, into the Irish Senior Cup semi final. Just two final fixtures to talk about this coming Saturday in EY Two Pool A. UCC take on Muckras. Um, now UCC need this victory if they want to keep uh, alive their hopes of getting into the knockout stages. Yeah, UCC uh, sitting just above Muckras at the moment um, in, in the EY2 league. I suppose very, very important that um, they they take the points for for I suppose um, to get them through to the the, the knockout phases. Um, if they do win that, that will guarantee them that third place. It will guarantee them um, a, a playoff. Um, Muckras, on the other hand, will, will be I suppose pushing them all the way to to maybe try and, and cause an upset um, away from home. But certainly, hopefully, home advantage will will, will We'll see UCC through. Um, in Pool B, then um, Cork Harlequins make the the long trip north to Queen's University. Uh, so Queen's just above them in the table. And actually, if if Harlequins um, win this game, um, they could leapfrog Queen's and um, could set up a, a, a I suppose a semi final draw actually against UCC. So very very interesting prospect there. You know potentially see Harlequins uh, versus UCC in, a, in in the EY2 uh, knock, knockout phases against each other. So um, Harlequins will certainly have it, uh, you know, won't, ha- won't have it easy against Queens. Um, always difficult traveling to the north and trying to get a result. And Queens have been doing um, doing exceptionally well this year as well. So a tough fixture for Harlequins, but certainly in their form at the moment, you wouldn't uh, bet against them. No, you wouldn't. And as you said, it'd be an opportunity to close the gap on Queen's University in that particular pool. EY2, pool B, Corinthian on top at the moment on 30 points. Queen's University with 27 and Cork Harlequins in third on 22. And an EY2, pool A, as we spoke about earlier with UCC. Ulster Elks way out in front with Avoca. But 16 points for UCC. If they beat Muckers, then move away from them and stay in the hunt for the uh, knockout phases. Now, we have one more subject to talk about before we finish. But before we move to that, just a quick check of the Munster women's top scorers table because this is very, very important for a lot of people. Emma O'Sullivan of UCC still on top with 18 goals both Beth Ann Farrell is right behind from Cork Harkins on 17 Michelle Barry on 15 and the top 5 are rounded off by Abby O'Mahony of UCC on 14 and Kate Harvey from Ashton on 13 and then the remaining players on that list Yvonne O'Byrne Olivia Roycroft Kira Sexton Julia McCarthy Isabel Martin Quiva Perdue and Katie Desmond not many weeks left to go now but Emma O'Sullivan still edging ahead there at the top of the Munster women's goal scores before we finish up Graham this is a very very important week for the Irish schoolgirls Kate Russell competition which is taking place yeah, so so as this uh, podcast airs on on, on on Thursday, we'll we'll have um we'll have the the, the start of the Kate Russell uh, Senior School Girl, Girl, Girls All Ireland uh, Finals um, hosted in Cork Harlequins. Um, so it's a two day uh, tournament um, where the winners of each province um, will be will be competing um, to to win the Kate Russell Championship. Um, Skullvira College are our Munsters representatives as winner of the winners of the Senior Cup this year um and and they will be they will be playing uh four games in two days so it's quite a quite a grueling tournament um now they're they're slightly shortened games but it's 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 a tough two days um Skullvira will be playing at 9:30 um on Thursday against uh, the Royal School Armagh um then they go on and they play Kilkenny College at uh 12:30 on the same day um 
the following day on Friday then uh, Skullvira are um, playing at 11 o'clock against uh, Salerno uh, College from, from, from Galway and, and their final fixture um, is, is at 3.30 on the same day um, uh, against Wesley College um, so it's a it's two full days of, of, of hockey um, it's back to back matches it's um, you know championship hockey so it, it makes it makes it very very interesting and uh, ultimately the, whoever whoever wins the group will take home the the Kate Russell uh, championship so um, a, a very exciting time for for um, all all involved with Sculver and I know you had uh, Dave Egner the coach and, and and two of the members of the team on recently um, so we're wishing them all the best in that tournament yes indeed we are all the best to Sculver and we spoke to Dave and some of the players as we said earlier on we might catch up with a few of them who knows next week as well depending on how things go but the best of luck to Skullvera College in the Kate Russell Senior Schoolgirls All-Ireland 2023 uh, competition which starts as we said on today Thursday the 23rd of March when this podcast comes out and ends on Friday the 24th of March we have covered a huge amount of ground Graham uh, as we head towards the business end of the uh, Munster Women's Hockey season so thank you very very much for your time and we look forward to talking to you again next week Thanks a million Ger. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula 1 headlines around the 2023 season You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula 1 analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube Sarah McKenzie F1 Instagram MacGram underscore and on Twitter MacTweets underscore now, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is in the record books uh, following last Sunday's Formula One meet at the Jeddah Circuit. So who better than our resident Red FM expert to join us here on the Big Red Bench, Sarah McKenzie Foley, to uh, analyse and review what was a, a pretty interesting race um, from start to finish. Sarah, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? Thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, second race of the season in the books, as you say. So we're uh, we're getting into the swing of it now. We certainly are. We had an expected Red Bull one two but not the expected one two I think that's a fair assessment even yeah. though Mr. Perez had a fantastic weekend um so Perez shows strong pace and he staves off for Sappen uh, and a good good day all around for for uh, for the Red Bulls but was it a good weekend all around for Verstappen no definitely not he um he had an issue in qualifying that essentially just meant that he wasn't even able to compete for pole position in the end at all um which is obviously you know he's not going to be happy about that and he then ended up qualifying 15th and had to sort of work his way back through the field which he's not as he said he's not unhappy doing that but he didn't like that the team put him in the position where he had to do that. That's kind of how he saw it, um, which I think it kind of grated people a little bit that that was his attitude after in the, the post-race conference, he he was quite scathing really about the team and the fact that he had been put in this position to, to have to do it. And I sort of thought, oh, come on, you know, you're you were still out there lapping over two seconds per lap faster than the midfield. You know, you can't really be complaining too much at this point, but I suppose, you know, he's uh, he's the ultimate competitor. He's always going to find something to say. He is a pain in the ass, Sarah. I'm going to come out and say it. And so you're too polite you and nice it. to say it. You're too <laughs> polite and nice to say it. He, I was watching like you and the message came from uh, the pit crew or from the pit to say, 
when Perez was ahead, I think it was eight, five to eight seconds or something like that anyway, when it was one and two, 133. Stay on 133 and just maintain the car scene. That's what I interpreted as the message, as a non-Formula mm. 1, you know, armchair viewer. Now, Perez seemed to do that, but there was no response from Verstappen and all of a sudden he dropped into the 132s. Perez starts asking questions, what's happening? Now, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, you're in a position of a 1-2 in a Grand Prix. You want to win the Constructors' Championship. The chances are Verstappen's going to win the World Championship anyway. Why would you be a pain in the ass at that point in only the second uh, race, knowing Perez was going to win, and, and just put a spanner, a potential, pardon the button, a spanner in the works when there's no need to do that? Now, I know it wasn't his weekend, as you've brilliantly explained why he had to start from 15 to come through the crowd. He was always going to do that anyway. Um, I, I think Perez probably learnt more about his standing in the team in Red Bull this weekend than he could possibly have asked for because that those moments when there was no when it was radio silence, no overstopping comeback, and he started dropping his lap times, he was clearly getting ready to try and steal that fastest lap, which he did, and he says that could be crucial at the end of the season. But was it not a bit petty? It is petty, but I think that's him. I think he is, he's never, it, it doesn't matter. It could be his dad in the other Red Bull car, frankly. And I think would crash. He, would, he would behave exactly the same. I think he just is not willing in any scenario that he thinks that he can win. He's not willing to lose and he doesn't care who he has to, you know, upset or whatever to get to that. Um, but I did think, I mean, yeah, it was awkward, wasn't it? It's, mm. You know, Perez saying why are you telling me what why are you giving delta laps that are slower than maxes you know like it doesn't and the team could say all they want they could say look we're we're not concerned like this is in the bag you know you don't need to push and then it's something like five laps left and they say yeah you're free to push only because as you say max was pushing behind him he's um someone put it to me why why does he race in a team sport and my response was if it was up to him mm. it wouldn't be mm. I think he would happily drive solo in that Red Bull without any issue whatsoever and that's just that's just who he is yes I think that's look I think we, we've covered him now in fairness like as I said I don't see how he's not going to win the world championship unless reliability issues and you know the kind of problems that we mm. didn't expect Red Bull to get this weekend creep in but I think in the long run they won't yeah one of the headlines safety car saves the day in this particular Grand Prix uh, you've um, you've mentioned to me and I think you're right on that Um, can you expand on that and why the safety car especially help the midfield uh, turn into a really good Grand Prix yeah it just so I I think the race to be honest after the first couple of laps it did really you know it settled a little bit too much I think it got a little a little stale um, and the gaps were really starting to build up and then you had you know you had some good good interesting pit stop strategy you know Stroll uh, bought a dummy from Carlos Sainz and both of the Ferraris ended up leapfrogging the Aston Martin in the end but unfortunately it didn't matter for Stroll because as you say, the safety car was deployed on on the 18th lap, and he was told to stop urgently. Um, and you know, obviously, most of those then that could avail of a free pit stop took advantage of that, and things kind of you know spiced up again after that. But I think without that safety car, I do worry that um, that the race would have been quite dull. And I think you know, we, you know, we did get some interesting battles. Sonoda and Magnussen was good mm. uh, towards the end, but. 
it's just I do worry you know we've mentioned it already we didn't get ahead of ourselves in the first race but like there is a genuine concern from fans over the lack of the lack of engaging racing that has happened in the first two uh, races and you know you don't want to say oh let's you don't want to keep saying let's wait until the next Mm. one but that is sort of the only choice at the moment to see how this is going to pan out really yeah god help the producers of Drive to Survive trying to make you know uh, I know they will a a series out of this but it's it's not it's not helping at the moment um a bittersweet day for Aston Martin now Fernando Alonso was on the podium but mm-hmm. ha- during the race he was given a five second penalty you can explain why and then I'm not going to ask you to explain the FAA ruling because we'd be here for another hour <laughs> but what we do know is that he was told he had a five second penalty so where are we with that in terms of his podium finish and how he handled that penalty yeah, it's uh, it's a comedy of errors again, really, here from the FIA. Uh, as you say, Alonso, he was third. He was up there on the podium. Champagne was flowing. He got his trophy, etc. Um, but essentially, the FIA had ruled that he was getting a 10-second penalty because when he came in to serve the five-second penalty that he had got for being in the incorrect grid position at the beginning the mechanics had worked on his car Mm. before the five seconds had elapsed. Now, that meant that George Russell all of a sudden was in third and was thought to have got Mercedes' first podium of the season, which would have been massive for them. But... Alonso appealed that decision and actually the FIA said, yeah, we were wrong. Um, They cited conflicting precedents, which essentially just means, you know, we messed up. Uh, And essentially the jack was touching the car before the five seconds, but the mechanics weren't working on the car. So according to the rules, he couldn't be penalized because there was no one really doing anything. The jack was just touching the car. So it's, uh, look, it doesn't, it's embarrassing. It doesn't look Mm. good for the sport. It's also like, you know, if you compare it to, you know, football, for example, it, you have these wars in the Premier League over VAR. Imagine if after the match you were able to appeal decisions from VAR. You know, it's like how how long do we allow this to, to sort of creep in? Uh, and it just it just doesn't look good, really. Um, lots yeah. of memes going around today. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus, let's not sure. give FIFA any ideas with your VAR, your VAR idea there because they nearly do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, look, I think the fact that there was so much, I mean, it was a boring race mid-race when they kept showing uh, repeats of Alonso mm-hmm. lining up slightly incorrectly on his grid position. Now, look, they're Formula 1 drivers. They're multi-millionaires. It's a minimum thing you would expect from them they've done it thousands of times they do it in their sleep mm. he was slightly off his, yeah. his his grid position and look they have said at the start of the year they did say FIA we're going to be very mm-hmm. strict on this this year but just to, and you've explained it brilliantly there like the, what happened afterwards it's such a bad optic I mean you're going God go back to this go back to the race we don't need to see this I mean make up your minds whatever off you go but look it's the FIA um, just some quick quick brief hits before we finish up uh, just get your opinion on the Mercedes the two Mercedes now you know the Red Bull sailing around them wasn't a pleasant, a pleasant sight. And you could see Toto Wolff, you know, he's practically gnawing his hand watching <laughs> as this happened. But George Russell, dare I say it, being a little bit smoother, better on the tyres than his uh, his compatriot and his, his teammate and finishing ahead of him again. Um, you know, Lewis, I don't know what Lewis is going to say next. Sometimes he's happy, sometimes he's just cranky. You know, will the real Lewis Hamilton stand up before the season is out? Because right now, George is more is smoother over two races and definitely more consistent. Mm. Yep. And I think that's fair. We saw some of that last year too. You know, realistically, that is that is kind of what we saw. George was Mr. Consistent for long periods of time. Um, 
it was interesting that they had that sort of back and forth over the radio where Lewis was quicker on the medium tire and was sort of creeping up on George and they asked, they mm. said it was almost like team orders, but George was on the impression that Alonso hadn't served his five second penalty. That. So understandably he was pushing. Um, and then to be honest, Lewis sort of fell off or George pushed harder, whichever the case may be. Um, I think definitely it looked like they were in much closer competition with the Ferraris than, than we would have thought. Mm. Um, because as you say, Lewis had been, I mean, he was down in the dumps really for the whole weekend. Um, and then the race pace kind of pulled something out of the bag, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a lot of deja vu from last year. And I think, you know, they, they made the decision essentially that they're going to abandon this, this current concept and they are going to, change tack and they're going to see if they can redevelop which is a massive step change to make you know at any point in a season um but i suppose they're trying to they're trying to deal with this at the earliest possible opportunity and we'll just really have to wait and see how it plays out i don't think they even know to be honest yes i think that's a fair assessment um they don't and it, the car is a hell of a lot worse than they thought it was and it's it's mm-hmm. it's it sounded like it was a bit easier to handle the both drivers said that during quality uh, over the two days so that's that's a positive but it's all relative I mean look how far behind the Red Bull they are they're nowhere near competitive and like they are slipping back into the midfield if Ferrari get their act together if Alpine find a bit of pace Mercedes are in trouble and uh, there's just no way out of that like um, now look the Australian Grand Prix is the next one up but it's not up until the 2nd of April so in between there's still a lot an awful lot to talk about so I'm going to give fans of this podcast a break and not vent on Ferrari until next week's podcast and you can help me with that and um, we're also no, going to it. talk about yeah, the lower I know you're glad to hear that for this week but for, for Alpine and for Haas as well there's positive signs so there's a lot happening in and around the paddock and certainly on the track over the last two lots to talk about um, as we said uh, the top five Sergio Perez winning out taking the 25 points Max Verstappen coming in second his Red Bull teammate Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin was third at the moment uh, and then George Russell Lewis Hamilton Carlos Sainz Jr Leclerc Ocon Gasly and Kevin Magnussen good day for him too in the, in the Haas battling through the tent so on our next podcast in between the Australian one which we will preview we'll talk a little bit more about those teams toward the end of the grid I think that would be um, time better spent it'll give me more time to vent as well hopefully about Ferrari but in the meantime um, our resident uh, Cork Shred FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley where can we find your content online yeah absolutely so you can find me on youtube if you search sarah mckenzie f1 i am there and if you search mac tweets underscore on twitter i'm also there spouting my uh, my formula one thoughts on a regular basis the big red bench saturday and sunday from 6 p.m monster women's rugby chairperson wendy keenan joins me on this week's big red bench to offer us her expert opinion on all things rugby and review all the latest provincial clubs schools and adult results scorers and upcoming fixtures plus we have all the latest monster rugby and international rugby news making the headlines that time of the week again here on the big red bench where we discuss another action pack seven days of schools colleges junior club under 14 16 18 cup monster women's rugby uh, results scores and all the latest news so there's only one person to go to and that's our resident expert and the chairperson of monster women's rugby wendy keenan wendy how are you I'm great, sir. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm uh, good to be back. I uh, got drowned wet below watching Skibbereen and Westport, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, it's, it's been. It's a good weekend for rugby. Two 
Two grand slams. Yes. Matches the whole lot. So great weekend. Yes. And the women's Six Nations just around the corner where hopefully Ireland can do um, do themselves justice and make a few names themselves there. We'll talk about that in due course as well. But we start this week with a roundup of the Schools Cup. Yeah, look, what a fantastic day. Miserable conditions last Wednesday. The boys got the sunshine on the Tuesday. We got the rain on the Wednesday. But look, it didn't damper our spirits for sure. Look, a thousand spectators through the gates to watch the two finals. Huge support from the schools. We just contributed to a, like a wonderful atmosphere. Um, you know, so like just have a look at the matches in our Junior Cup. We started with, you know, newcomers, Kalosh to Ida from Dingle, um, all the way up to play St. Anne's from Killaloo. And look, just a great spectacle of rugby. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, their newcomers, Kalosh to Ida, their first time playing rugby to get to the final in their first year is wonderful. Um, but it was a big occasion for them and there was a lot of support in from St. Anne's. But look, it was St. Anne's took an early lead um, from um, Mia Helley and Tula Ryan. They both scored very early in the match. But then Kalosh to Ida, they grew into the match, but the, just the conditions hampered their usual style of play. They love to play, I suppose, open running rugby and just too many handling errors on both sides didn't accommodate that type of rugby on the day. So St. Hans got in for another two tries before the half time, and they were from Charlie uh, Dillon and Lucy Pearl. And just to mention about Charlie, I actually played with her mother, right? She comes from a very strong uh, rugby pedigree um, in Limerick, uh, a family name associated uh, with Shannon the Browns. Um, so look for the tries from Dylan and then Lauren Dowling just took the game out of reach, really. And Mia Henley completed a hat-trick of tries to complete the scoring. So look, a dream day for St. Anne's and they took the cup at junior level. Okay, so then into the, um, you know, I just want to mention as well in terms of Kalosh Ida, they did so well, as I mentioned, to reach that final, you know, and they'll have learned from that experience. And that's really important. And look, they're back into action this week. They're hosting a blitz down in Kerry, down in Dingle. So look, hopefully that will bring the smiles back to the faces um, of those girls. I want to mention two things about them. Number one, they only had one club player playing on the day. Most of the uh, the other team would have had you know girls involved at club level, but for um, for the Kerry team, only one of their players plays with the club, which is just look. It's another avenue into the game. We're delighted, um, but you know that's an interesting statistic when we look at the overall um, you know inclusion of, of club players. And I want to mention a person who's responsible for bringing rugby to the school. That's Dano O'Keefe. Sadly, he passed away last year, and I know he would have been looking down with pride in them. You know, getting to the final in their in their first year in the competition. Moving on to the Senior Cup competition then. Um, so Ard Sculver arrived with nine bosses <laughs> to support, right? And to chant against, I suppose, the six bosses of supporters from um, St. Anne's um, who were already in the stadium for the for the juniors. So you can imagine the noise level went through the roof uh, when they arrived. Look, it was a strong start to uh, a very exciting final, but it was St. Anne's got the crucial first score through Amy Riley. And St. Anne's, I suppose, they had most of the possession for the first half and capitalised that when they scored via Ellen O'Shaughnessy um, just before half time uh, they came out strong in the second half and got the next try about 15 minutes in and that was their captain Rebecca Rogers who scored from them when she broke from the, the base um, uh, of a rock and Emily uh, Byrne converted but Oscar did fight back and they got a deserved try from Kelsey Reeves before, before the whistle look a dream day from St Anne's getting on the bus with the two trophies um, Grace Carney, their coaches of both teams, was absolutely thrilled um, in relation to that. And I just want to another interesting fact we had. I think you you like this one. We live streamed the both the finals, mm. and we're two point six k for the seniors 
and we're at 1.K for the junior in terms of the viewing numbers. Wow. So it's not just wonderful. Like we've never been there with those numbers in terms of people. I mean, they were at one point, I think 1.8 and 1.2, do you know what I mean, just on the final whistles. So obviously they've gone up since then. And then to have those girls' finals featured in the Independent, the Irish Times and the Irish Examiner to top it all off was just fantastic. And once again, proof positive that if you promote something properly, look what happens. And you've been doing that not just this year, but over the last number of years, you being the Munster Women's Rugby uh, Committee, not just yourself, uh, Wendy, as you'd be the first to say. But it's fantastic to see such positivity surrounding the finals, such excitement surrounding the finals, because you see it with the boys. Why shouldn't it over time be the same for the girls? Yeah, and it is going to take time for us to get to those viewing levels, you know what I mean, that the boys have and the spectators through the gates. But look, a thousand on a wet mm. Wednesday afternoon inside Musgrave Park. There was lots of noise, lots of excitement. It'll grow year by year, you know what I mean? So those teams who, who didn't have the numbers to participate this year, they'll be back strong next year. So it'll be a very strong competition, you know what I mean, again next year. Indeed it will. Well done to everybody, including Munster Women's Rugby Committee and everybody involved in making that such a special day and well done to the winners as you've outlined there. Congratulations to them in the Schools Cup. Now we move from schools to colleges. Yeah, so great win for UCC. Absolutely delighted for them. Fee Hayes um, being the coach there. You know what I mean? Ex-international, ex-Munster player. You know what I mean? Retired them the last couple of years and they had a comprehensive win over the University of Galway in Cork. Um in the Tier 2 Cup final. So I'm delighted for them. Yes, and uh, UCC's name cropping up quite a lot when it comes to sport, but especially women's rugby um, in the last year or two. And uh, you of all people will be delighted to see that that is, you know, to the fore because obviously sports like GA and the Camogie are very, very, and always will be very, very important to that faculty. But rugby is now starting to make its mark. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they've been growing for quite a number of years. They've, you know what I mean? They do have a strong history in the competition. I myself coached there, which I'd, I'd like to say maybe, you know what I mean, 12, 14 years ago, might be a little bit longer. And they have a big event coming up for their 150th anniversary. So I'm looking forward to seeing all those girls that would have played you know, UCC. And you see them going on to play in the green jersey because most of them are already affiliated with clubs. So, um, you know, let's watch this space, I suppose, is what yes. I'm saying. Very much so, yeah. Well done to everybody there in UCC. Now, the Irish Junior Cup, uh, a new inaugural competition that we talked about, sponsored by Energia. And the other thing we spoke about in the last uh, last time we would have spoken, Wendy, is the two Munster representatives were UL Bohemians and Skibbereen. And last weekend, I'm going to give you give you a break now. I actually had the uh, the very good fortune on Mother's Day to head down to Skibbereen and to cover Skibbereen's 61-5 Energia All Ireland Women's Junior Cup quarter final victory over Westport. Now it was a horrible day weather-wise um, but credit to both teams not just uh, Skibbereen but Westport as well put in a serious serious effort having travelled so far um, it wasn't their day obviously and on, a, on this particular day as well I got to see up close and personal why this Skibbereen team is so special not just in Skibbereen but in the West Cork area oh, they, they have recently won in West Cork the West Cork Sports Award Team of the Year Award now that's an accolade that doesn't isn't handed out very lightly there's an awful lot of different facult- faculties and sports involved in that but Skibbereen's magnificent 2022 was recognised with that award and they've been very very excited they were very very excited on the night of the awards I was there but they were back down to business uh, this past weekend a fantastic performance as I said in horrible conditions um, Avril Condell who was the captain and the scrum half got things underway with a grubber kick followed it through 5-0 um, out half Ashling Brown did her best for Westport to keep things at bay for as long as she could before Emma Connolly who had a very very good day considering the bad weather with the boot uh, converted a penalty to make it 8-0 and that's the point 
point at which the floodgates open in the first half. Jasmine Connolly, Fiona Love, Kate O'Sullivan touching down um, and Skibreen Rebele even able to overcome uh, a yellow card and a temporary dismissal of one of their players before um, Sharon Stout twice went over, had a very, very good game there, their number eight. Kate O'Sullivan um, on another try but fair play to Westport in the middle of all of this things not going well down 42 nil in the horrible weather conditions having travelled so far they came right back at, at Skibber and it was heartening to see that it shows a club with a lot of heart to do that and Claire Coughlin uh, crossed the line for their only score of the game Caitlin Heffern and Emma Connolly tries at the very end put a gloss on the final score but Skibberine absolutely thrilled at the final whistle win their quarter final and they now know Wendy who their opponents would be in the All-Ireland semi-finals yeah, they're away to Tullamore. Uh, I was hoping for another uh, home match for them, but uh, they're away to Tullamore. Look, it'll be it'll be a different ask in the semi-final. Tullamore will be a much stronger team than Westport. Um, look, and they need to play at that level. This is the important thing. If we're to see how they measure up against other teams in in the other in the other provinces, this is a really important competition because it gives them a taste of playing at a higher level, mm. right? It gives them, I suppose, uh, if they're to look at you know what I mean, maybe competing for a place in the women's a. IL, you know, this is the way that they get the taste for it and see what it's like. And you know what I mean? So look, fingers crossed they'll have another really strong performance. I mean, a tough ask for Westport to hop back on a bus in the, you know what I mean, mm. after those rainy conditions, after really being hammered off the pitch, do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and was it a five hour journey? I think they might have going home on the bus. Probably felt like it. But one thing I wanted to say, Wendy, just um, from a reporting point of view, and that we're giving it a full page, not just a report, but analysis and reaction from the uh, from the Skibreen camp as well in this week's Southern Star which is a a regional newspaper down here in West Cork but you can buy it online Um, he said plugging it Um, the technique really impressed me not just um, you know from the backs and the handling there was a lot of handling errors as you would expect from the conditions but the technique of both packs and the forwards and the way they recycle possession in such awful conditions it's worth mentioning yet again if you've not gone to a women's rugby game or a Munster women's rugby game or even a club or a schools game I would urge people to go and watch because the technique and the level of technique and I've seen it under 16 level as well I've seen one or two games just brief snippets of one or two games this year down direction where I live it is heartening to see you know that this has been taken very seriously by the people involved one of the players actually O'Connell um, spoke to her afterwards for the newspaper she only started playing rugby two years ago and she was outstanding she was absolutely outstanding so for anyone that doesn't if there's a rugby game in your locality and you've never gone to see a women's rugby match before I urge you to go and see it not just for the, the novelty of it but to be amazed at the technique and at the skill levels um, and at, not just at adult level either at underage level I think I think we're on the cusp of something really really special not just this not this year perhaps but over the next couple of years and we've spoken about it week after week the numbers are growing the interest is maintaining why shouldn't uh, Munster Women's Rugby have it moment and it's I think it's starting to have that moment yeah and I suppose the credit to Sana you know the coach down there um, he's doing a wonderful job with the girls but I suppose you know they, the club and Sana and Avril they speak about this lovely atmosphere that they try mm. to create in the club um, you know what I mean and it's all about enjoyment with them look I mean it's it, it's fruitful for them in that in, you know they've had a superb 2022 and you know what I mean they'll springboard on for that I'm sure but I think it's it's due to that enjoyment factor that the girls are turning up for training they're turning up for all their matches you know weather isn't an issue for them and um, you know so that you know, the future looks bright, I think, for them too. You know, I really see mm. them competing for that WAL place when things do open up eventually for more clubs. Fingers crossed, hopefully, anyway. Um, that was in the Irish Junior Cup, as we said there. Uh, Skibbereen beating Westport 61-5 and they're through to the semi-finals where they'll face Tullamore. Yes. Um, 
onto the under 14, under 16 and under 18 cups. More action yet again, another action-packed weekend. I thought you said the season was slowing down. It's not. We're nearly there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to mention we're at semi-final stages and final stages and we're going to look forward. That's what I decided when I started calling those scores um, two weeks ago. I said, Jeepers, we need to move forward. So look, under 14s, we'll start with those in exciting league finals. So we'll start with them for for the cup final. So our cup final is Dunmanway Bantry versus is Gary Owen that's going to be a cracker of the final two very experienced teams there and in the played final we have Ennis um, versus Balanakaluskarov and in our development cup then for the under 14s uh, there are semi-final stage Killarney versus Balancholic and Feathered versus Skibbereen we move on to the under 16 cup then and Clonakilty as you mentioned earlier they, they await the winners of Shannon versus um, Balancholic Dolphin and at plate level they're at the semi-final stage so if you elbows Gary Owen versus Carrick and Ennis are awaiting the winners of the Balna, Kalu, um, or Kilrush match. And at the Development Cup stage, then we have Bross. Brough versus Moy and Middleton Yall versus um, Old Crescent Scarf. That at the semi-final stages again. And finally, at the cup final for the under-18, we have a repeat of our league final. So it's going to be Ennis Kilrush versus Carrick Thurlis. So that's going to be a, a very interesting match when it comes to that. Um, and at our plate stage, semi-final again, we have Balanac Killaloo versus Balancholic and Brough versus Cove Dolphin. So they're all being played. All the semi-finals are being played uh, this weekend. So we'll have our full final uh, layout for the following weekend. Excellent. We are taking into consideration, I just want to mention, um, yes. we had days set, but just we're taking into consideration the oral exams. Do you know what I mean? Excellent. So um, we're just looking at the dates of those uh, this evening. So hmm. hopefully uh, by the time this is aired, all the dates for everything will be finalised. Excellent stuff. So much happening across those cups and a lot of excitement as well. Last chance for a lot of those clubs and amalgamations to get some silverware before the season ends. But it's uh, exciting times in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, we just, you know, we saw the under-20s yesterday and, Mm. you know, I always mention about, you know, I mean, our girl league finals, our school finals all played in the same stadium. So when the girls are, whether they were in the stadium yesterday or they were watching it on television, can say that they played on the same same pitch. But we have to wish our Irish girls the very best luck against Wales next weekend. And we look forward to welcoming them to Cork um, on the 1st of April and if you haven't got your ticket go online always pushing as ever as any good chairperson would Wendy Keenan from the Munster Women's Rugby we will talk about that Welsh game next week and we will look ahead to what's a very very important night in Cork as well or very very important occasion in Cork as well on next week's bench but for now thanks very much for your time thanks a million Jack. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm now, on to matters, Cork, LGFA, and Shane Ronan's senior side uh, registered a very impressive uh, Lidl Ladies Division 1 National Football League victory over Kerry at Parky Creeve last weekend. Cork winning on a scoreline of 117 to Kerry's 2-6. Kerry now with a bit of an experimental team having already reached the league final, but it was still uh, a good performance all around from Cork. We're about to hear uh, from Cork senior manager Shane Ronan, who talks to us about that particular game, how training has been going, and we look ahead to this Saturday's Lidl Ladies National Football League Division 1 clash between Cork and reigning All-Ireland champions Meath. That takes place at Parky Ring with a 1 o'clock drone, so we'll get Shane's views on that. We'll also get reaction from Kerry man- uh, co-manager Dara Long following last weekend's uh, loss to Cork in Parky Cueve. And we'll also have a roundup of the Cork LGFA Under-21 Championships, A, B, C and D Championships at games this past weekend. We've scores and results from that as well. But first, here is Cork senior footballer Kira O'Sullivan giving her reaction to Cork's National League win, uh, 117-26 over Kerry last weekend. Kira O'Sullivan, first of all, congratulations. That's a, a good win. It was an experimental Kerry lineup, but you'll take the victory no matter what. 
definitely I think any day being from Cork any day UB Kerry is a good day um, it was a great battle like yeah definitely probably on paper wasn't Kerry's strongest team given what they've played in the league so far but I suppose we can only concentrate on ourselves and very happy with our own performance and your own performance yourself uh, going well uh, injury free good run in the league now uh, will set you up nicely for the Munster Championship yeah, injury free, I suppose that's all you can ask for really. Um like there's massive competition for places, so you're just trying to stay injury free so you can train hard and, you know, be putting your hand up for a position. So um hopefully that'll continue now. Um training's going well, training is hard and I think massive competition to get on the f- first fifteen, to get on the panel even is, you know, is hugely challenging. So I think that's where you want to be and it gives a good headache for management. Um, can I ask as well, just as an inter-county player, the fact that you've got so many extra league matches this year and there's going to be a round robin in the Munster Championship, that gives this Cork team a chance to bid in and everybody gets a fair crack then at the start of 15 compared to last year. Exactly. I, look, I think as a player, all you want to be doing is playing matches. You know you know you have to do hard blocks of training and stuff, but at times last year only having three league games, it can seem like a very long lead into Championship, whereas this year, you know, going from match to match, you're getting players with important game time, getting competitive games under their belt. Um, and for us in particular, you know a young well excluding me but like a young team you know it, it's nice to get that game time and get people ready for for what will be a very tough championship okay excellent stuff we'll talk to you soon great thanks sir okay tara um already in the national league final so the job has been done you've been on a really good consistent run was today just about giving other players a chance to put their hands up oh yeah definitely was i think we made seven or eight changes there again uh for today's game but i think in every league game we've made that six seven eight changes um so uh, we've been consistent with that, I suppose. But I, I suppose we've been, as I was saying prior to the game, there we in the fortunate position where we are in the league final, and not that today didn't matter. But we were able to change up our training routine, I suppose, looking for looking further down the line than even the league final. And we've trained really hard over this last couple of weeks' block, so we were expecting a bit of heavy legs there today, and it definitely bared fruit out there. Girls looked. Uh, looked like they were running with cement blocks in their boots at times in the first half. Um, but look, we we, we were aware of that was a possibility today but look on the other hand Cork look really sharp uh, we were under no illusions coming up here Cork have been I think they're the top scorers in, in the league uh, we're second behind them but um, some of the, the scores we conceded there in, in the first half in particular, particular sorry as a group we wouldn't be happy with that but uh, look while saying all that and saying disappointed with the result we're still very happy as a group where we are at this point in time um, we've put a lot of hard work in in pre-season and that bared fruit over uh, game week one to game week five uh, and now we just got to get through today's game as we did and, and Galway next week and then look forward to the league final and just finally a lot of people are looking at you this year as potential All-Ireland you know uh, in there obviously with the fantastic run you had last year and over the last two, two or three years yourself and Declan you've been building towards this so it's not a surprise I know you don't want to say that you are in the hunt for an All-Ireland just yet because it's early in the season but the signs look good for Kerry Lay's football Ah, yeah, look, I think any manager that stands in front of you, Joran, says that they don't want to be in the hunt for a, a league final would be, uh, wouldn't be true to their reasons why they took over the job. So, yeah, of course we want to win in All-Ireland, um, and, and that's our ultimate goal. We got very close last year, probably coming under the radar to people, but we've been building nicely probably for the last 18 to 24 months. Um, we've put a really good group together, a really competitive group together, which I suppose we've shown over the, the, the five, six league games now with the changes we can make. We had another debutant there today, Amy Harrington, 18 years old, um, and for a young girl coming into that kind of a, an atmosphere and, and a game against such a, a really sharp-looking Cork side I think she did really well so look Amy's another one for the future if, if not for the present so look we're, we're very happy where we are not happy with the result obviously but look uh, still looking forward to Division 1 final Thanks for that we'll see you again soon
Thanks, Joe. Cork LGFA Senior Manager Shane Ronan joins me on the line here on the Big Red Bench. Now, to look ahead to this Saturday's uh, game in the Lidl Ladies National Football League Division 1 uh, against me. It's got a one o'clock thrown. It's in Park E Ring. Um, and we're also going to talk briefly about Cork's fantastic victory last weekend, 170 to 6 over Kerry. Uh, Shane, you're very welcome back to the bench. Can I just start with that Kerry game? Lots of positives to take out of it. Um, I suppose more from the management point of view, you got to look at a lot of players again, uh, a lot of people coming off the bench and putting their hands up for selection. I would imagine that training this week is going to be intense as people like to put, uh, this is their last chance in the National League to put their hands up. Yeah, look, we were, we were delighted with it. Like we got eight subs on again on, um, on Friday. So we look, we've used a lot of players and nearly, nearly every player in the squad has got game time. You know, you know, upwards of 33, 34 players, I'd say, have played uh, some part in the National League, so we're delighted with that. And, you know, we were able to get, get a good number in again on um, on Friday. So, look, we're, we're very happy with that because that's creating great competition in the squad. Players know they'll get a chance, um, you know, and we had an internal game the previous week. So, look, it was, uh, that was very competitive. And I think, you know, this week this weekend now gives us a chance again, like maybe to look at one or two things, um, you know, we might have one or two players who are, we might we might protect because of uh, the niggles that they got they picked up maybe in the carry game. So look, we're probably going to change up a small bit, Jar, but look, we're delighted with last weekend. We can only be what's in front of us. I know Kerry hadn't, uh, I suppose, their, their, their strongest team out, but I think our girls felt very well, so we're very happy with them. I mean, that's the key thing, Shane, in this National League. It's the consistency of performance that you've gotten. Coming into the Meath game, you've won three, you've lost two and you've drawn one. But in each of those six games, you've been in the game, nobody has scored more points. And I think that would probably please you as well. Yeah, look, I mean, we're the top scorers in the league. I suppose we conceded a bit much there in some of the games, especially your special double game. But in all our games, we, you know, our, our concession wasn't, uh, wasn't huge. Um, you know, and I suppose that's, that consistency in performance was what we were really looking for. I think we got it the last year, you know, overall. Uh, we had been up, a bit up and down in some of the games, you know, having great patches and then maybe falling asleep and, you know, uh, and, and not fully concentrating and uh, having bad patches in those games. But I think we had a, there was no stage really on on, on Friday's game where we, where Kerry had a huge period of dominance. So we're very happy with that. And I think that's the sign of progression. Um, as they looked at Zaki Young players, they're coming in. I suppose it's new for them to, to playing at this level, like it's a huge step up in the morning or so. Look, we're, we're very happy with the way it's progressing and hopefully we can continue that on Saturday, uh, you know, with, with, with another good performance. Yeah, and on Saturday you face a Meath team looking only for their second uh, uh, National Football League Division 1 victory. They've had an indifferent season so far, a lot of change over, obviously, uh, with Eamon Murray leaving. Look, you can only beat again one, once again what's put in front of you, but look, Meath are are not All-Ireland champions for nothing. They'll always put up a tough test. It hasn't been going their way, but they'll be looking to rebound and what better way to do that than against Cork. You're expecting, I would imagine, a tough physical, but also um, a pretty swift game with a team that moves the ball as quickly as you do. Yeah, I think it was great. It is a very exciting game because I think Mead, I just looked at they were, they were disappointing uh, loss uh, to Watford. Um, you know, they had, they've had a tough league campaign, but they'll be missing a lot of the big players. I think if anybody, any team in the country is missing you know, the calibre of players that they have been missing throughout the league, um, you know, the player, player of the year the previous year, Emma Duggan probably, you know, was very close to being player of the year this year. I think, you know, any team is going to, is going to find find things hard going. I suppose, look, when you have a change of manager as well, I suppose he's trying to find his feet and, you know, maybe change things up a bit. But look, I think they're, they're, they'll only improve as the season goes on. And I think they are, certainly after their defeat to Watford, they're going to be smart and coming into our game. You know, they'll want to lay down a marker. They've had... You know, they beat us in the league last year and obviously the championship game the year before they beat Cork as well. So, 
so they, you know, we owe them one maybe, and uh, I suppose they are looking to, I suppose, get back and get, you know, get back, get the show back in the road for themselves. You know, they've they've got a lens of championship to look forward to. So do we? There, that'll be our next game. So after Saturday, so I think both teams are going to be going at it, and you know, seeing if they can iron out the few problems that they have. And just from a management point of view, Shane, for you and the rest of your management team, obviously the National League, uh, Kerry and Godway have already qualified for the Division 1 final. So you now know, you know the dates between when you finish your game against Meath and what's needed between the opening round of the Munster Championship. I mean, uh, I, I assume that the training will ramp up, obviously, in between that. But you, you've spoken to us before here on the Big Red Bench saying how pleased you are that you got more league games this year, but also the fact that you're going to get more Munster Championship matches now as well. And that's key for a team and a panel that you've got with so many players being brought onto it. I looked at it, I think it's five-week gap between our last league game and our first round of the Championship against Tipperary. And, you know, the most championship is going to be a very, very um, tough competition. You know, it's, it's definitely going to be the most competitive championship. You know, you have two, three of the, the three of the top five teams in the league are in Munster. And you have Tipperary who are riding high in Division in Division 2, who could be in the Division 2 final. So it, it's going to give a lot of opportunities for us to, I suppose, start out our best team by the time the end of the Munster championship. Hopefully we can, we can qualify for a final. And then you're into an All-Ireland series. So it's going to be very... You know, I suppose health or skills are there, you know, after the five-week break. And, you know, it's going to be very, I suppose, it'll be up to the management to manage the players and manage the load and things like that. And also we have, look, with the added thing of the Lala Camogie players involved with us as well. And their Munster Camogie Championship is going to be run with the parallel to the Munster Football Championship. So we've all those things to consider. So we're trying to build a stronger squad and have as many players ready for championship action as we possibly can come the 30th of April and you know, Saturday is the next step in, in, in that thing. And then, look, I think training, I suppose, training will, will definitely step up. Uh, you know, we we had a good couple of weeks there in between the the last two games, you know, the, the Galway game and, and, and the, sorry, the Donegal game and the, the Kerry game. And look, we, we again, we, we won't do much this week, but, uh, you know, it's going to be, it'll be definitely a step up after that. Then again, again, looking look for the most championship. On Saturday, March 25th at 1 o'clock in Parkering, Lidl Ladies National Football League Division 1, Round 7, Cork's final league match of the season against the All-Ireland Champions Meath. If you get a chance to get down to Parkering, make sure you do the shout on the Cork team. But for now, everybody here in the Big Red Bench wishes you well. Uh, Shane Renane and your players, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Sean. Right, it's been a very, very busy period once again in the Cork LGFA Under-21 Championships over the past weekend. Um, and let's just go through some of the scores and results and where we stand in the A, B, C and D Championships. Last Sunday, Neva Bond, they were the 2022 County B Under-21 Champions, defeated Air Og 3-9-1-8 in the semi-finals of the Under-21A Championship. So Neva Vaughan through to a second consecutive Under-21 final in two years, um, leading 2-5 to 1-4 at halftime. They kicked on in the second half and eventually won 3 9 as you said, to 1-8. Um, some of the scorers in that particular team, Lydia McDonough, who's featured for the Cork Seniors, she got 2-3. Grace Murphy got two points. Ava O'Connell, Lauren O'Brien, a point each. And Annie Maher got 1-2. Aoife Creedon, Emma Kelly, Isolde Reardon, Amy McDonough, Annie Maher, Lydia McDonough, Ava O'Connell and Grace Murphy were some of Neva Vaughan's top players in that particular game. Uh, for uh, Aerog, disappointment, but Sean O'Shean, Isabel Sheehan, Sive McGoldrick, Ruby Halligan and Neva O'Shea uh, were amongst their uh, best players with Maria Donovan, Isabel Sheehan and Sive McGoldrick providing the bulk of Aerog scores. Now as we record this, uh, the second semi-final between defending champions Morn Abbey and the team they beat last year in the under-21A final, Glanmire takes place on Tuesday evening at the Pike. But the winners of that will face Neva Vaughan in this year's under-21A championship following the Balavorni Club's victory last weekend. 
on to the under 21 B Championship and a quarter final in a high scoring affair in Ahamilla last Sunday evening that's St Val's 4-5 but Clonakilty winning out 3-14 uh, for St Val's disappointment obviously but Amy Shepherd was their top scorer with two goals one of their best players on the night was Katie Brown their goalkeeper Erin O'Shea uh, Quiva Deneen Mavering Alice Buckley, Amy Shepard and Niamh Naknabola uh, with a pick of their forwards. As for Clannacilty, they move forward now to the semi-finals uh, thanks to a, a performance. Ashling Maloney top scoring with 2-3. Uh, Aoife O'Flynn Mead with 4 points. Katie O'Driscoll with 3 points. Millie Condon, the uh, Cork Minor Football and Jewel Star, she got 2 points. Rachel DC getting 1-1 and Keo O'Mahony with a point there for Clannacilty. What that means in terms of this year's Under-21B Championship at the time of recording. Clannacilty now move forward to face Bright Rovers in the semi-finals of the Under-21B Championship. Kinsale are in the other semi-final and they're awaiting next weekend's uh, winners of the quarterfinal between O'Donovan Rossa and Valley Rovers. And what that means, because Valley Rovers and Kinsale play their football in West Cork, uh, as do obviously the Skibbereen Club, O'Donovan Rossa, we are guaranteed at least one West Cork LGFA club uh, in this year's under 21B county final. So the winners of Bright Rovers and Clonakilty will meet Kinsale are the winners of O'Donovan Rossa and Valley Rovers. On to the under 21C championship, and this has proven. A very entertaining competition thus far with lots of uh, pl- plenty of high scoring in it as well. Mallow getting the better of Kilchanig in a quarterfinal last weekend, winning 3-11 to 1-5. Um, another quarterfinal that took place last weekend, Rock Bond put up a fantastic score. They won 6-17 to Bantry Blues at six points. Um, disappointment, obviously, for Bantry Blues. Aoife Kingston getting five points and Megan McSweeney was the player with the other score for them. Game played in pretty uh, awful conditions as were most of the matches this past weekend because of the weather. Uh, Bantry were down a few players as well, but a very very, very good performance from Rock Bond. Let's take nothing away from that. Um, and a fantastic result for them. And what that means is those two victories over the past weekend, Rock Bond and Mallow, they go through to one of the semi-finals of this year's Under-21C Championship. So Rock Bond will host Mallow. In the second semi-final, Castlehaven, uh, the West Cork Club, are also through. So another quarter-final completed in the Under-21C Championship last weekend. So Castlehaven overcome Ballinora, 5-11 to 1-8. Um, the Haven playing putting in a strong performance in a game dominated again by uh, by the poor weather unfortunately as all games were this past weekend swirling winds and plenty of rain too uh, making life difficult for both teams but a fantastic victory for Castlehaven and they're into, into the semi-final and that's thanks to uh, some standout performances from Hannah Sheehy, Laura Dunhu, Ellie McCarthy and Grace O'Connell and Hannah Sheehy top scoring with 4-2, Ellie McCarthy contributing 1-5 and Grace O'Connell, Neva Sullivan and Kelly Pierce and Ellie Ellen Connolly were amongst the scorers for the Haven as well and as I said in that under 21C championship now uh, Castlehaven await uh, the winners of the one remaining quarterfinal that's between Watergrass Hill and Douglas uh, that was due to go ahead last weekend but that was postponed the winners of that will play Castlehaven and on the other side of the draw as we've already outlined Rockbourne will take on Mallow finally we turn our attentions to the under 21D championship and there's still a number of games to be played in this particular one but Yall uh, re- registered a very very impressive victory over Ballancolic in the quarterfinals last weekend winning 216 to 1-4 on the same weekend Liskould put up a huge score against Mitchellstown at the Bishopstown 4G um, the Cork senior Dara Kinnery uh, getting 2-2 on Yahallahan 2-1 Chloe Collins 2-2 Amy Savage got a goal Laney O'Sullivan also got 1-2 and Rachel Barry uh, scored a couple of points and on the day Rachel Barry Amy Savage 
Rachel Moyne and Chloe Collins were the, t- the pick of Liz School's top players. As for Mitchellstown, just outclassed on the day, but on the day, Thea Coleman and uh, Erin O'Sullivan were amongst their top players. But um, yes, uh, Liz School certainly threw in emphatic fashion. And what that means is uh, the the semi-finals lineup is still not complete in the under-21D Championship. But Liz School know that they'll be playing the winners of this weekend's quarter-final clash between Ballinhasig and Ross Carberry. And in the second semi-final, Yall's big victory sends them through to the last four, where they await the winners of Iban Ladies and Owendala in the semi-finals of the under-21D Championship. So plenty of action still to come in this year's Cork LGFA Under-21 Championships. But that's the wrap-up from this past weekend. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Now a very busy weekend of Camogie in Cork uh, involving the Cork Seniors, the Cork Intermediates and the Cork Miners uh, took place last weekend. In the Electric Ireland Minor A All-Ireland Championship, Cork suffered a defeat to Waterford uh, down in Waterford 3-9-2-5 I interviewed Jerry Wallace, the Cork Miner Manager following that game to find out how the Cork team are going to rebound this up this coming weekend when they take on Tipperary on Sunday here in Cork. We'll also hear from Matthew Toomey, the Cork senior manager, who gives us an update on the squad and some injury news as well, following their impressive victory over Kilkenny at Nolan Park in the very Camogie Ireland National League last weekend. A 23 points to 110 victory over Kilkenny for Cork. Fantastic performance. Cork into the National League final because of that. We'll hear from Matthew Toomey and an update on where the seniors currently are. And as well as that, um, we were in the Big Red Bench was in Castle Road last Sunday to uh, cover the Cork and Galway Very Ireland uh, National League Division 2B clash which Cork won 215 to 3-9 very very good performance in very difficult conditions we'll hear from manager uh, Trevor Coleman of the Cork Intermediates but first two players who played uh, significant roles in Cork's 215 to 3-9 victory over Galway Rachel Harty and Lucy Allen Okay Rachel first of all congratulations a good win for Cork in tough conditions today but just how tough was it out there against Galway? Yeah, look, I suppose when you're playing a team like Galway, even though they have a new panel in, like, you can't never underestimate them, you know. They're a good side, they have plenty of hurlers, um, so it was a very, very tough game now today. Like, with the league, conditions change from week to week, so you've got to be ready for all types of games and all types of scenarios. Like, there was a strong wind against us in the first half, uh, but to be fair to us, we held, held them to, I think it was a two or three points at half-time, and then scoreless in in the first, I suppose, 20, well, 15, 20 minutes in the first half, and or first half of the second half, and then kicked in on then after that. But, yeah, no, look, we're happy with the performance. I think we've a lot to look at after today, but another win under our belt, so we'll drive on again. Yeah, that's the thing. A good score against Cipriari, a good score against Galway, but two tough opponents, and it's very, very tough in this league because you're coming up against players like yourselves on the fringes of the senior panel. They want to impress. The other thing with today was like a lot of new players involved, and yet you still got the result. That's got to be positive. Yeah, sure, like, you need a panel to win in Ireland, you know, you don't know what happens, like, looking at last year, we lost our captain to injury, you know, we lost a couple of girls there during the week up to the senior panel, because they have injuries and stuff like that, so, you know, you just don't know what you're going to have on a week-to-week basis, so it's brilliant to have a panel and to build on that and give girls a chance to put up their hands, you know, they're training hard, they deserve the opportunities as well, and looking at that, like, that's a positive from today as well, build on the bench and build on the panel each week and see how we get on from there. Indeed. Uh, Lucy Allen, your goal near the end was very, very crucial. You took it well. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, I suppose I was on the, the right end of it. I, I stayed in deep for the, the last few minutes and lucky Lauren Holman gave a, a great ball in, so I was lucky to, to get that at the end. You had some battle, you and the forwards at the Galway backs. They were really tough and t- tight marking today, but that's great experience for all of you. 
yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I suppose we had an easier game three weeks ago and we had a long, long break then coming into this match. Um, so definitely the physicality today hit us and I think we, we were taken aback, you know, at the start and it kind of, we came back, regrouped and said, you know, we to, to get going again and come back facing into a, a dog battle. I think, you know, conditions here, it's, it's March, yeah. it's uh, not going to be a pretty match. So it was kind of a case of get stuck in and battle and try and win those, those rough balls. Was that break, looking back at it, you took a while to get going, was that a factor? I know the wind was very strong in your faces in the first half, but the fact that you've had such a break took you a bit longer than usual to get going. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as a group, we're getting used to each other still. As, as you said, it's a, a pretty new panel in there um, and we're trying to get the team in place and it's about giving people chances, I suppose, to get out and prove themselves. So, you know, I think there's no good in getting a, you know, hammering a team in a day like this. So we were glad to have that test and I think for sure it'll stand to us going into the next tough matches in a few weeks. Excellent stuff. And just finally, Rachel, from your point of view, that's what it is. Just keep the head down and go again now. This team has got two wins out of two. Matches coming thick and fast over the next couple of weeks. I would imagine as inter-county players, that's what you want. Yeah, like the more time you play, I think the better you're going to get. Like you can do all the training sessions that you want, but it's matches that we need. And uh, definitely in those tough conditions there now today, it's really going to stand us going forward. So we're looking forward to hit Kilkenny next week. And I didn't think two weeks after it's Wexford. So fingers crossed, it'll be another two wins under the belt. Excellent stuff. Congrats, girls. Well done. Okay, Trevor Coleman. First of all, congratulations. 215 to 3-9 win over Galway in the National League is a good result. Considering the windy conditions, considering all the changes to the team, what are the positives that you'll take from that performance? Yeah, look, it was a huge roll. Look, we asked the girls beforehand to stand up and be counted. Look, uh, we didn't have a great week. Look, we lost a few to the seniors, which is what we're all about. Look, and best of luck to the girls who went up to the seniors. But again, that can have a small little effect on, on the panel and the team. So today it was, look, all about getting a result. If we fell over the line by one point, that's all we wanted. But look, uh, one by three, which is great. And look, there were some good performers out there from new girls. And a lot of new girls out there were, that were probably nervous. So it started a bit shaky. But look, the result is the result. That's, that's what we wanted. Yeah, I could see it wasn't the start that you wanted from the sideline, but also the conditions. I mean, they had a very, very strong wind. You made better use of it in the third quarter, holding them scoreless. Yeah, look, the wind, the wind has always the same down in Castle Road, to be fair. We decided, look, probably to go against the wind in the first half. We thought, look, we, we might dig deep and sit back a bit and talk. We were slow to stop, which we were. Again, look, slightly disappointed with the two goals probably happened within a minute of each other and two mistakes, which is unlike us. So, again, something that we have to look on and work on. But, look, a good few positives out there. Look, we knew it was going to be a dogfight. We spoke at halftime. It was going to be a dogfight. Galway weren't just coming down here to make up the numbers. They needed to stay in the league. So, look, we grinded it out, which is what we wanted and again people were talking all week that this league will walk it because we're scoring against Tipperary we knew in our heart and soul that that wasn't going to be the case that look Galway's second team Kilkenny's second, second team Wexford's second team they're all going to be good size and I went to watch Tipperary again last week they, they played very well again so again this league is going to be tough so again Galway's never easy they've got a few minor all Orleans behind them so we'll take the result and move on Ah, you're scoring well, you're defending very dogly. I thought your defence was really good today, very sticky, especially in the second half. You're going to need that as the league goes on. Oh, definitely. Look, if we can sign just... Uh reduce the amount of goal chances we're giving away look we'll have a look at the stats maybe tonight or tomorrow but again yes very happy with the defence very solid look and dogged Emily O'Donovan there to be fair new goal look first time probably putting on a cock jersey did very well Aoife Walsh is the same in full back so again look we must these goals are going to take a bit of time to bed in we've probably 18 players gone now overall which is an, an awful lot so we're going to have to try and give them goals a bit of time to bed in and we're going to use the league for that which is what it's there for you know 
Yeah, just finally, that's exactly what the league is for, but you want consistency, you want work rate, and you've gotten that in the opening two games, so it is positive heading into the remaining matches. Yes, it is positive, look, but it's going to be an awful uh, different game now against Kilkenny up in Nolan Park, or whatever it's going to be next weekend. So again, look, we'll knock it down for the week, and again, goals got game time there again, so this this is where you're going to see where the goals are really at. And then, uh, look, you can play all the challenge matches you want, but you really have to be in, in the ticket things against the bigger counties, and that's where we were today, and the goals stood up looking at the result. Well done, Trevor. Talk again soon. Thanks, William John. Now, joining me on the line here on the Big Red Bench is Cork Senior Camogie Manager Matthew Toomey to talk about his side's fantastic um, National League win up in Nolan Park last Sunday morning. 23 points for Cork, 110 for Kilkenny. Um, a fantastic win for Cork, who are all, all but assured a place in the National League uh, final now at this stage. Uh, Matthew, you're very welcome to the bench. Congrats on that win. Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Um, are you going to mention Linda Mellerick's report here in the Echo? It's on echolive.ie following that match on Sunday morning. Ten players sharing 23 points um, against a side that you, you know well and you always have difficulty with, likewise then with ye. Is that the most pleasing aspect coming out of Nolan Park or was it just getting the win? I suppose it's, it's, a, it's a bit of both. Um, like for the, the performance itself, like it was, it was a kind of a pressure game because I suppose look, we have to win to keep the momentum going. They were kind of coming off two defeats, so like, like I suppose the chances of them qualifying for the league final were, were gone before they played us. So like, it was nearly a free shot off us. So just it was just the character, the way we played. Um, I suppose the Tipperary game, we 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 kind of found a few things that we weren't so happy with, and it was just kind of, you know, the last two weeks we spent talking to the players, um, just kind of showing them if we did things differently that you know we get successful of it. And look, thankfully that came through yesterday. A lot of the work. Um, Liam Cronin, our coach, has been doing with them. Came through yesterday, which was great. You know, and it's, it's a sense of belief for the players. So getting the win was great. Um, ten players scoring, like we we emptied the bench yesterday. I think Molly was the only one who didn't come on. Um, and they all made an impact, which is great because look, you have you have to have the panel. You know, with all the injuries we've had and 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 all that, like you know, it's, it's, the panel is, is is hugely important. It certainly is. Um, could I put it to you, considering that you got a fairly you know, a fairly straightforward win in your opening game over Dublin uh, and then Clare, that the game in the rag against Tipperary was about the best possible preparation, beating Tip 114 to 112 in tough conditions, really physical encounter, that that stood to you against Kilkenny the last day? Absolutely, there's no question about that. Um, I suppose a lot of people say you learn a lot in defeat, but I think we we came away with a win that day, but we learned so much from it. Um, you know, like I suppose when we look back and analyse the game, um there was there was a lot of features that we were close to getting right, but we just there was kind of just a small bit of margins in it, and um, just we had to go tweaking stuff. But look, it, we we learned so much about it, and it, 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 I suppose it brought us down to earth a bit. Like if if we got a good win against Tipperary, you know, and we, you know, if we got the win yesterday, we could have got carried away ourselves. We we know if we don't perform to our full potential, we're going to be under pressure in any game, and I think that's the big thing we had home with, you know, which is great. Yeah, you mentioned the players as well that you brought on. You were able to empty all but one player from the bench, which is a real benefit of the National League. Um, in terms of injuries, Matthew, there are some long-term absentees. Katrina Mackey, Kira O'Sullivan, Ashley Thompson, um, you know, at, at the moment that are not involved. A- any update on those uh, three individuals and when we might see them back? Um, I, I suppose, like the four girls are out long-term. There's, there's no real um, update. Like they're, they're doing the rehab and, and, and that, that's Olivia Ashling. Kira and Katie O'Mahony, like they're, they're doing the rehab. Like what action they'll have with us before the year's out is, is, is questionable. Like, but they're working as hard as they can. 
Um, Katrina is, I think she's waiting on another scan again. Um, on on the, 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 the medical people are not happy with the, the healing process of it. Um, she's not a few weeks off. Um, like we're looking like we've all a corner back fully training tomorrow, which is a, a massive boost for us. Um, to have her coming back into the, the like she's been doing a lot of rehab now as well and working on a lot of stuff and. She's she's back in full training now tomorrow, which is as I say, is a massive boost. And we think Pamela Mackey's not too far away from the leader. She might be another week or so, but she's close enough to us. So look, getting these players back in, in into the squad, fighting for places, is only good for us. Like, but um, the players that are have started yesterday and came on. Like they're all they're they're all there ahead of them at this stage because look, they're they're performing week after week and and training after training. So that's what stands to us. It certainly does. And just to add to that, Matthew, uh, you were at, uh, like I was, the Cork Intermediates win on Saturday, their National League win over Galway, a real tough uh, game in difficult conditions. And again, the churn in that particular squad for Trevor Coleman, he's had, you know, a few, a few of those, his players have been called up into your senior panel now. He's had to chop and change a lot. But there's players coming through and the results keep coming, uh, as well as the performances. Like, I mean, it's got to be reassuring for you at the senior level to see that happening at Intermediate as well, because it just shows, again, the depth of players that are in the county. Absolutely. Like um last week there we we brought up Haley Ryan and Eva Barrett uh onto our panel and they came in it was it was a seamless transition from you know, they came in settling straight away and we got through gay time yesterday, how short it was. We just wanted to get them on the field, get them field for us. But they came in seamlessly. like um that game the other day it was it was all about character really, like it was in tough conditions. But I know Trevor made a few changes as well. Going into that game, so look, he got, he got a look. You know, there was a few goals stood up again for him that were impressive as well. Like, you know, I suppose the one goal stood up for me was, um, I think Fiona Nelligan from Charleville. Yeah. She was excellent, I thought. Like, and you know, showed first life around the place. We put like Lucy Allen and you know the, all the mainstays, Leanne O'Sullivan, again as usual, um, putting a great performance. Like, so look, they're they're like yeah, I suppose that's the the nature of the beast. That like, you know, the players like we 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 can pull them off with, but it's um. You know, it's a testament to Trevor. Like you know, we, we everything was in conversation when we have a great relationship. We we're lucky to have that. Like you know, I suppose he's disappointed with losing players coming up to the panel, but um, no, he, he's he's well aware of what, what the you know what what the, the whole story is with that. Like we're, we're trying to help him as much as we can as well. Certainly are. Just to finish up, Matthew. Obviously, we're looking ahead now to this weekend, and you're hosting Galway in Parky Cueve as well. Um, an opportunity. I mean, look, the the permutations are pretty straightforward. You're all but in the league final, barring a disastrous 19 point or 20 point defeat. I think to Galway. Um, will you look to experiment, or have you made your mind up yet? I mean, coming into it, you know, the fact that you'll have a league final to look forward to now as well. Is this an opportunity for others on the fringes maybe to get a start and, and show what they can do? Um, it, it, it's kind of a, a mixed match, really. Like I, I saw, like, we we still need players getting game time as well because um, after Sunday's game, we've a three week wait to the, the league final. So, like for four weeks for players to be with the game is a bit much. Um, we will probably make one or two changes to us, um, certainly to give players a rest and, and and as you say, give people a chance to put their hand up as well. So, like we haven't really decided. I suppose we'll, we'll discuss now and training, choose night and see what exactly what we do. But look, we're we're in a good position. Um, so, like, an opportunity playing on Parky Kiev is always a very exciting thing as well. Like, you know, before the Carton Derby match, and, and, you know, every player wants to play down there. So, to trying to manage that now is, is the next thing. Indeed, it is. And just finally, I mean, if if I'd offered you, if I'd offered you at the start of the season a league final position, unbeaten, and going into your final game with Galway in the shape that you're in, I'd imagine you'd have taken that. But how happy are you with the overall progress, you and your backroom team, of where you wanted to be, irrespective of results at this time of the year? 
Yeah, I, like, I would have bitten the hand off you. Yeah. There's no question of doubt about it. Like, you know, but I suppose, look, I, I, I spoke to you about this before. I suppose we want to put all Mac uh, on the team this year. Like, mm. like we know the players a long time. Like, this, you know, Teddy and myself and these have been there a long time. And, and, and we kind of know what way we want to play. And, and we were lucky that, look, Wesley and, and especially Liam Cohen and coming into it. Um, you know, this, this, this style of play we're trying to bring into it. It's, it's, it's more fluent. Like, I think yesterday we were discussing the coming home on the bus. Yesterday was the first game we played. I'd say in about three years that there was no sweep involved in any, between either team. It was 15 on 15. I, I can't remember a game like that that I've been involved in Cock Mogi. There's, there's always, every time we play anyone, they always kind of throwing a sweeper or, or at times no last. To be fair, we were throwing a sweeper. So it was just, it was an exciting game. It was just like, it was a game that the players were able to kind of just kind of let loose. So that's what you're kind of trying to do all the time. Excellent stuff, and you're doing it very well at the moment. Uh, best of luck at the weekend against Galway in the National League Division 1 clash at Parky Creeve as part of a doubleheader. Cork versus Galway with a new throw in. Matthew Toomey from everybody in the bench. We'll talk to you again soon. Hello, Jar. Thanks. Now, joined on the line by the Cork Camogie minor manager, uh, who, unfortunately for Cork, suffered their first defeat of the Electric Ireland Minor A All-Ireland Championship last weekend, going down 3-9 to 2-5 to Wadford in SETU, um, having beaten Dublin in their opening game 3-21 to 8 it's a round robin championship so uh, disappointment for Cork but certainly not the end of the world Jerry Wallace you're very welcome back to the big red bench um, let's talk about very briefly about that Waterford game obviously for management and for players disappointing to lose but were there any positives to take out of it? A lot of positives Jar. now I know we lost the game but um, you know, I wouldn't be losing a night's sleep over it just on the day the day was very difficult we lost the toss and uh, Waterford let us play with the wind in the first half and look there were situations developed during the first half where we didn't take scoring chances we probably needed a bit more going in at half time and um, uh, we got into a bit of a dogfight in the second half with them we were a point down with a few minutes to go and uh, we missed a great chance for a goal and then I suppose the ball you know like in these type of games the, the ball went down the other side they've, they picked up a free they slipped away into to um, uh, they slipped away into a two-point lead. Then there was an injury to Brona, a shocking scene. We all wish Brona very, the very best of luck, and we hope that she'll return to Cork again fairly shortly. But uh, it, it, it meant it was a stoppage, so we ended up with about four or five minutes of overtime. And I suppose in, in that period of time, then Waterford got a got a goal and subsequently ran out the winners. A lot of positives out of the day, though. A lot of players played very well for Cork. I suppose when I look back on it. Uh, Waterford last year we beat them 10 points to 9 if people recall mm. in a humdinger of a game below in Castle Road in the quarter final stage of All-Ireland after extra time mm. 13 of that team played against us on Sunday whereas I'd only 6 of last year's team playing now I'm not using it as an excuse but it definitely showed that we are in transition again here in Cork that we're developing another squad and sometimes these projects take 2 years uh, to come to fruition the majority of my squad last Sunday was based off of last year's Cork winning All-Ireland under 16 team so look it's upwards and onwards we play Tipperary this coming Sunday down at Castle Road we're currently lying third in the table um, that's based on our scoring averages but what you have is you've got Galway at the moment running away with, with the, the league basis um, then you've you got uh, Tipperary next ourselves are coming in next followed by Kilkenny and Waterford. So look, I suppose you could barely call next Sunday Super Sunday because all the teams that have won 
one game. Now I'll need to try and get to win two games, and then I think you'll know exactly where you stand in relation to getting in one of them, one of the top four places for the All Ireland semi final. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up last year's game with Waterford because I was at Castle Road that day, and I remember interviewing you afterwards, and I was just, I wasn't surprised, but I was taken aback at just how good that Waterford team was and is and the, the improvement in Waterford Camogie as you would have seen much closer to the ground than I would have seen over the last couple of years has not happened by chance they are getting better and they're getting stronger but I put it to you um, you know that this Electric Ireland Minor A All Ireland Championship Round Robin, Robin group there is really very little between a lot of the teams in it and as you said you're recycling a new team every couple of years anyway the fact that you've got an opportunity to you know, to bounce back against Tipperary, then away to Kilkenny, and then finally at home to Galway. You, your players now know what's involved. They know have tasted defeat, which maybe in the long run isn't the worst thing in the world, Jerry, for players at that grade. I, I, I think it's all very important in their development because I think when you go back maybe 14, uh, 16, 15 with Cork, Cork have kind of dominant. But I've noticed over the last number of years, the other counties have taken note of Cork achievements that's minor. And I, I've noticed uh, last year and in particular this year, there's an improvement in all the counties and in their contributions towards their minor programs within their own counties. And subsequently, Jared, it's, 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 it's coming back on the field. The minor competition is highly competitive. Um, <clears throat> I suppose this year, Dublin looked very competitive. They, they got to the Leinster final, played Kilkenny, did very well against Kilkenny up to about 50 minutes. I think Kilkenny took them apart in the end. Um, they had a week to recover to meet ourselves. But I suppose what I'm saying there is my observation of the Kilkenny programme, my observation of the Waterford programme, we played tip early on the year in a challenge game, uh, my observation of Galway, everyone is putting a lot of interest into their minor programmes because I think there's a huge transition taking place in the senior intermediate grades of Camogie in Ireland at this moment in time and that's coming from the minor groups from, say, the last number of years. Other counties have recognised that and have decided, well, we need to start transitioning other young women into the sport of Camogie. So they're, they're putting a bit of investment in strength and conditioning, putting in a bit, bit of investment in the programmes that they have in place in the hope that they'll pick up players too for their senior programmes. And I suppose that's what we're doing here in Cork as well, Ger. You have to learn to win. You have to learn to lose. Look, we have a bit of wiggle room. We still have three games to go. You know, it wasn't the end of the world last, uh, last Sunday yesterday down in Down in Waterford with some fabulous, uh, with some fabulous players, Ava Fitzgerald, you know, Amy McCarthy, Millie Condon, Bruno Shocknessy, Kate Finnessy, Neve Macabola, Mayor Taborka. Like, we've got some fabulous, fabulous players. And each and every one of them, you know, gave their best for Cork yesterday. And it just wasn't our day, Jerry. The conditions were tough in the second half. Um, a few decisions went against us. And then we had opportunities and we didn't take them. So I think that's good for minors to learn about those things. And hopefully next Sunday we can give a good, solid performance you know, and get something out of next Sunday. We take a win, we take a draw as well during next Sunday. Excellent stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. let's hope Cork can bounce back on Sunday, as you mentioned, in the Electric Ireland Minor A Championship. Waterford hosting Kilkenny, Dublin hosting Galway, and Cork taking on Tipperary in Castle Road. Before I let you go, as ever, yes, Jerry, sure. whenever we speak, you're usually either out in a field or in a pitch. Thankfully, you're in a pitch tonight. But what are you doing And uh, as we speak? <laughs> Well, Joe, I suppose a lot of fellas on a Monday, a night after, uh, you know, being beaten in a, in, a, in an All Ireland Championship game, they're at home and they're, you know, you know, doing the peak performance key indicators of the program. I've mine done. I've spoken to my management team, but I'm down here now in, in the Maradike, and thanks to UCC and to, to John Granger, yeah, we got a, we got the facility tonight because we're now we have a, I say close and we've close and forty young seventeen year old women here over the age of sixteen. 
um, under the age of 18, down uh, seven, under 17s. We're trialling them and we're putting together a development squad so that we'll be building a group again for 2024. So we're at it already, Ger. Even though the championship is on, we're here tonight again looking and uh, we've got players from all over County Cork in here tonight and we have a match now kicking off in about the next 10 minutes. Um, I'm not involved in the warm-up because I'm chatting to you, so I am. <laughs> but I have the coach. Some of my minor coaches are here. Some other coaches are here that are all involved. I've got the great Donny Daly there, the Cork under-16 manager. He's, Donny's going to be the lead coach in it. So he's here. He's after doing fabulous organising behind the scenes here. The clubs have brought in the players. We brought them to the farm in UCC last Saturday. We had uh, we had six teams play there last Saturday, 30, with about 30 players on each team, <coughs> each group. And we brought other groups in here tonight for this for this trial match. So it's upwards and onwards, Ger, and the Cork programme. I suppose I'd love to see Cork uh, at this age group maybe doing a facility agreement or an agreement with a strength and conditioning programme for, for age-specific work for these groups of players because I think other counties are doing it. I think Cork needs to up our game on that going forward, Ger. Um and look, my responsibility is yeah out here tonight in the field down in the down in the dike, uh, looking again to see can we put together another minor panel for next year, and that's the challenge all the time. It's ongoing, Jar. It's a, an ongoing process, and uh, you know I think if you ask Matthew Toomey and Trevor Coleman, I think they are benefiting from the minors that have coming are coming through for the last number of years since 2018. We're seeing a huge transition in Cork. In our in our in our senior team, and that's coming from all the young players that have been found and being coming competitive with Cork at minor and under sixteen. Um, so I, yeah, someday the big red bench will ring you, Jerry, and you'll be on a day off. Someday, but I don't think it's any day, any day soon, as ever. No, 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 not at the moment. Sure, I'm, I'm too involved, in, and uh, to be honest with you, we're we're giving our time of it. We yeah. love it. We we're all out here, and it's it's fabulous, right? You know, and you know, long may it continue. You know, because we get great. The reaction from the young women that are here, they all want to be wearing the red of Cork. They all want to try and aspire to be on a Cork panel or to be on a Cork team. And, you know, it's something, it's it's an, it's an iconic thing for you. They they just they just love it, so they do. And, like, we'll go to the big matches later in the year. The league final will be coming up now soon with Cork Camogie, the senior final. And I've no doubt a lot of these young women will be at that match as spectators. And they're looking out of that field wondering how they're going to get out there. This is how they get out there, Joe. They brought in a nice like night, like tonight, wet night, dirty old wet night, so it is rain falling and they're brought here to have to see can they make their way forward through the process and on upwards and onwards and upwards in for Carter. So Onwards and upwards, yeah, as ever. We, we finish on a positive note, Jerry. As ever, Jerry Wallace talking to us here on the Big Red Bench about not just what's happening with the Cork Miners, but what's happening behind the scenes in the under 17s as well. Thank you for your time. Go back to the coaching. We don't want to delay the process any further than we already have. <laughs> my, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Do, Joe, because there's a sitter after flying past me there, so I'm off, okay? Take care. <laughs> Good luck. Best of luck. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs> That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.